Check, one, two, hello. What a day. What a day. What an unbelievable day. This is the QTR Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. This podcast, as all of my podcasts are, is brought to you by my patrons. Patrons are people that sign up and donate a monthly recurring sum to help support the podcast. I'm going to shout out some of my patrons. Then I am going to go over the three rules for the podcast. Actually, I think there's two of them. It doesn't really matter. Everybody has stopped listening at this point. We're already 25 seconds in. And then we'll get going. First and foremost, of course, I want to shout out my friends over at JM Bullion. JM Bullion is my exclusive gold and silver provider. They are the only place I buy my gold and silver bullion. I love their service. They turn around my orders very quickly. They have done over $3 billion in sales as a company. They have over a decade or around a decade of experience. The point is I like them a lot. doesn't really matter how long they've been in business. You should be able to take my word for it. That should be the relationship we should have at this point. <laughs> Anyways, JM Bullion has their own dedicated sales rep just for QTR podcast listeners, the lovely Laura, L-A-U-R-A at jmbullion.com. You can email Laura if you have any questions about gold and silver bullion. Maybe it's your first time buying. Maybe you don't want to go through the hassle of going through the website. But JM Bullion always has wonderful stock, and I love them. So check out my friends over at JM Bullion. Email the lovely Laura if you have any questions. She'd be more than happy to help you out. Tell her you're a QTR podcast listener. This podcast also brought to you by my friends over at Doomberg. Doomberg is one of my new favorite sub stacks to read. It is a wonderful skeptical look at the markets in general. Uh, Doomberg really looks at things the same way that we kind of do. They have a little bit more of a conservative Austrian mindset. They have a little bit more of a skeptic's mindset. Uh, And it's just fun, enjoyable reads all the time. The best part is the Substack is 100% free to follow. So you can go over and follow Doomberg. The link to that is in my podcast description, as is their uh, Twitter feed. So you can go and follow them for free and give them a read. I know the people behind the account and uh, happy to shout them out and happy to say that I am a reader. Truthful to say that I am a reader as well. This podcast also brought to you by my friends over at the Sang Lucci Steam Room and the Sang Lucci Master Course. Charlie Bathgate and Sang Lucci are getting ready. They're gearing up for another Master Course. It's something like a week's worth of classes, 20-something sessions. You know, if I was prepared and had the script in front of me, I'd be able to tell you. But really, all you need to know is that for $3,000, they're going to give you one of the best educations in market psychology, tape reading, market fundamentals. They have, I think, like a half dozen experts that are coming in and are going to help them teach the classes. The Sanglucci Masterclass would probably be the number one class that I would personally recommend for people looking to dip their feet into the market or maybe uh, advance their understanding of the market, the complexities of the market, if you will. Check out my friends over at Sang Lucci, and also check out my buddy Wall Street Jesus and the Steam Room, one of the best pieces of software for tracking options flow in the markets. Those links are all in my podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by my friend George Gammon over at Rebel Capitalist Pro. Just had George on the podcast on October 1st. Got great reviews from a lot of people. Well, everybody told me to shut up, but George got great reviews. I did get quite a few contents. Why does the host talk so much? I still get comments like that. Folks, it's because I like to monopolize the conversation, all right? Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's an insecurity thing. I don't know. I'll have to check with my therapist and get back to you. But the point is, it's my podcast and my rules. So if I want to talk, I'm going to. And if you don't like it, you can fuck off. How's that for a nice set of rules? Have a nice day. All right. Back to uh, George Gammon and Rebel Capitalist, bro. (laughs) 
<laughs> George started a platform with uh, Chris McIntosh, Lynn Alden, and people like Brent Johnson, all of whom are much smarter than I will ever be. They do live Q&As every week. They have an incredible forum that I love to visit where they toss around investment ideas, and they also have a great view of macro. So they have a good understanding of macro, of how quantitative easing works, and really how to navigate the world of out-of-control central banks, as George Gammon says. Check out George, man. Good dude. He is happy to sponsor me. I'm happy to give him a shout. It's a one big love fest between us all here on the QTR podcast. All the links to these guys are in my podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by my friends at Corvus Gold, my friends at Investors Underground, Ken R., Chris B., Nicholas Parks, Matthew Zimmer, shipping analyst Jay Mintzmeyer. We got to have him on again soon. I think he's going to blow a head gasket talking about Zim, Z-I-M on Twitter. We'll have to get him on and get him to explain his reasoning. Russ Valenti, Crichton Titus, Camila Soul, thank you guys so much. And also, of course, I want to shout out some patrons, some everyday people that have signed up and supported the podcast, like Benjamin Krog, thank you, my friend, Victor Ramirez, Steve Gould, my friend Howard, John Roberts, David Driesen, Nomad, above and beyond, thank you so much, my friend, Brian Nemich, Gregory Horn, Barry Kelly, Daniel Hammerin, William J. Brooks, Philip McCrevis is in the house, along with Brad Nesseth. Thank you so much. And Mr. Quinlevin, thank you so much, my good friend. I still appreciate the shit out of you. And some patrons that have been with me for a long time. How about Ryan Otis? What's going on, brother? Thank you so much. And Matt Tackett and James Malloy, Travis Rupert and Dan Fry. And finally, Joseph Valone. Thank you guys. The only way to get your name on the list is to sign up through Patreon, and maybe I'll shout you out, and maybe you'll never hear from me again. And I will be found driving off into the sunset with all of your money and giving you nothing in return. That's how the Patreon relationship works, and that's why I love it, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, there are two rules for this podcast. The first is don't take anything that I say seriously. I'm not a financial advisor. I hold no licenses, no registrations. I only have... You know, one-tenth of a normal human-sized brain for being a 40-year-old male. So you, you know, got to hold that against me as well. I mean, forget about understanding the nuances of finance. I'm just not that smart to begin with. So work all that into your equation when you decide to rely on my advice. And basically what I'm saying is just don't rely on my advice. Uh, With that out of the way, here's some advice you can rely on. This podcast has a three-drink minimum. And if you need help understanding how a three-drink minimum works, you're probably in the wrong place to begin with. All right. This is an hour bullshit economy episode, which means I'm going to sit here and fucking scream into this microphone for about an hour, and then I'm probably going to go drink a Budweiser on South Street somewhere. If anybody has any problems with that, please write to your congressman or go ahead and mail me a letter uh, to my P.O. Box 602 Anywhere USA, at which point I will take that and kindly deposit it in the trash receptacle for you. Folks, I got to say, you know, a year ago... When I started doing videos mocking the idea of the trillion dollar coin, and then it just kind of went away. You know, nobody ever heard about it again. I think Rashida Tlaib had gotten hashtag mint the coin trending. That was the big accomplishment. Mint the coin. I, I love this. Morons that don't understand what they're advocating for, advocating for something. It's really, it's a staple on the left, it appears, like uh, Joe Biden cutting off pipeline projects and then holding like 16 task force meetings 
trying to figure out why the price of oil is going up. It's like, <laughs> how do you not see the amount of money that we're, how do you not see the inflation that you're creating? And how do you not see the supply that you personally and your Democratic, uh, you know, think tank behind you has been responsible for shutting down? So about a year ago, when we first talked about the idea of the trillion dollar coin, you know, we had a good laugh, everything was all good and well, and then the idea kind of went away. Nobody really heard about it after then, which I thought was great, because I thought it was the dumbest fucking idea in history, and I figured it would have just died of its own volition. It just went away because the free market had its chance to identify this as a solution to the country's problem, and it was laughed out of Congress, or laughed out of the Fed, or laughed out of whatever lobbyist office it came from to begin with, and that was it. And so, lo and behold, here we are minding our own business, trying to manage this uh, COVID issue that we've had here over the last 18 months, and I turn on the computer yesterday, and all of a sudden, the fucking trillion-dollar coin is somehow back into the zeitgeist here. It has somehow made an appearance. You know, to say I'm baffled about this would just be an understatement. So what I want to do is I want to read you some of the things that have been published about the trillion dollar coin idea. And then I'm going to tell you what you already know, which is why this is the stupidest fucking idea in history. Uh, Axios put out an article a couple days ago that says a trillion dollar platinum coin could be minted within hours of the Treasury Secretary's decision to do so. Philip Deal, former director of the United States Mint, tells Axios. So we got a guy at a mint commenting like, yep, we can do it. You put a little platinum in the old fucking cupcake tray and we can make we can make a whole we can make 24 of them at once. You know, this is what's so fucking stupid about this idea. I know I'm only one sentence into reading this article, but the point is they're not minting a enormous coin. It's not like they're using a trillion dollars worth of platinum to make a trillion dollar coin. They're going to use, I don't know, you know, whatever. They'll use like $62 worth of platinum and they're just going to print the words trillion dollars on the coin. And somehow that is supposed to ascribe this small worthless piece of metal with a trillion dollars in value, which is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. It would be like me, you know, walking out of the New York Fed lunch break room with a can of Diet Coke, polishing off the Diet Coke that's inside of it and saying, this is the new trillion dollar can. We're going to put this on the Fed's balance sheet. Yeah, I know it's four cents worth of the aluminum, but really what it is is it's worth a trillion dollars. Well, why? Well, because we say so. Okay, well, can we really do that? Uh, probably not. Certainly I can't. You can't. You know, our relatives can't. Our friends can't. We can't just go out and say something's worth a trillion dollars when it's really not worth a trillion dollars. So what gives the Fed and the government the power to do this? You know, and to be honest with you, our personal balance sheets probably look better than the government's. The Axios article says why it matters. Congressional solutions to the debt ceiling problem could take weeks to implement, especially if the reconciliation process is used and time is running out. In case of emergency, a trillion dollar coin could be de could be deployed. Sorry, I almost lost my fucking lunch reading this. A trillion dollar coin could be deployed to bridge any gap between the money running out and the debt ceiling being raised. How it works. 
The U.S. Mint, which deal ran from 94 to 2000, already produces a one-ounce Platinum Eagle and has no shortage of Platinum Blanks already in stock. Producing a trillion-dollar Eagle would require only the denomination to be changed. <laughs> so in other words, it's the same exact one-ounce Platinum Eagle as a normal one-ounce Platinum Eagle, which I don't even know how much they're worth. Let me just look it up. Hold up. One-ounce Platinum Eagle. All right, a one-ounce Platinum Eagle sells for $1,125 right now. All right, so keep that in mind when I read this sentence again. <laughs> Fucking idiots. This <laughs> producing a trillion-dollar Eagle would, only, would require only the denomination to be changed. Quote, this could be quickly executed on the existing plaster mold of the Platinum Eagle, says Deal. Then an automated process would transfer the new design to a plastic resin mold. So what are they doing? They're going to take an $1,100 platinum coin and they're going to say it's worth a trillion dollars. And they're not going to change anything about it aside from the letters that are on it. Aside from the design. It's, it is such an unbelievably, unbearably, excruciatingly stupid idea that, I, you know, my, my brain hurts. My stomach churns. I feel a kink in my left knee. You know, I've got restless leg syndrome. I'm starting to develop symptoms just from talking about it. That's how stupid it is. Even if Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, has no intention of minting such a coin, there is no reason for her not to quietly instruct the mint director to take those steps a day or two in advance. So they're saying she should just tell people to mint this coin regardless of whether or not she wants it. At that point, a coin could be struck in minutes at the West Point Mint, even if it then needed to be physically deposited at the New York Fed that's only a short helicopter right away. They're going to put the fucking thing on a helicopter and drive it to the New York Fed like it's something. Like it's not an $1,100 Platinum Eagle. This is a whole bunch of pomp and circumstance for nothing. <laughs> Deal says, voila, we'd have bought ourselves the equivalent of a trillion dollar increase in the debt limit without any impact on inflation. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, this has to be in the running for the world's stupidest fucking idea I have ever heard. First off, it makes... Let's just think of the problem that it's supposed to be solving, right? This is supposed to be solving the problem of the debt ceiling. Can you imagine what the people who made the debt ceiling would be thinking if you had told them, Hey, listen, we appreciate the idea of creating a debt ceiling so as to prevent the company, uh, the country, the company, the bankrupt company, so as to prevent the country from getting to a point where it doesn't, you know, take on more debt than it can, than it can handle. Thank you so much for that idea. But, uh, you know, X amount of years from now, they are going to pull an end around of this idea by taking a one-ounce platinum coin that on any other secondary market would be worth $1,100 and saying it's worth a trillion dollars, okay? First off, the person who came up with the idea of the debt ceiling would probably laugh you out of the fucking room because, like, you know, I can't imagine when this debt ceiling idea came around that something this stupid and ludicrous would be taken seriously. I mean, it sounds like something that you would hear from a drunk person 
at a bar in an airport at like four o'clock in the morning. It doesn't sound like something that, you know, an actual economist comes up with. So after they laughed at you, then you would have to inform them that this is really an idea that's being considered, at which point they would probably have a stroke uh, and then, you know, we would move on from there. Even Janet Yellen came out and called it a gimmick. That's how you know the idea is bad when the, uh, arguably the largest arsonist to uh, ever participate in the dumpster fire that is monetary policy in this country comes out and says it's a bad idea. This is from Yahoo Finance. Treasury Secretary Yellen said she is against the trillion-dollar coin idea, which has been floated around as a way to curb the impending debt ceiling, calling it a gimmick in a CNBC interview. Yeah, like everything that she did while she was a Fed chair wasn't a gimmick, right? Monetary policy under her wasn't a gimmick. Printing unlimited money is not a gimmick. It's just the idea of a coin that makes it a gimmick, right, Yellen? Indeed, as the debt ceiling crisis escalates, talk of a trillion-dollar platinum coin which would be deposited at the Federal Reserve as an asset swap, could result in an extra trillion dollars to cover a big portion of Washington's bill, according to Seeking Alpha. Oh, that's an interesting source. However, the idea has been shot down multiple times by the White House. Hey, here's an idea. How about we fucking stop spending money? How about that? And we wouldn't have to talk about whether or not the idea of monopoly money squared, which is basically what this is. I mean, we've already got the terrible idea of fiat currency on top of the terrible monetary policy in this country. This is like idiocy squared. Maybe we wouldn't have to talk about, you know, dog shit squared if we just maybe cut government spending, you know, maybe just spent a little bit less than we're bringing in in tax receipts. Oh, yeah, but then we'd have to give up programs like who the fuck knows, you know, whatever. Right? Oh, Jesus. I mean, the best part about this idiocy is that they would actually fly the fucking thing in a helicopter over to the New York Fed. I mean, in the digital age, right, the Fed's talking about a digital currency. We're having unlimited debates about Bitcoin. You know, they're talking about getting rid of paper money everywhere around the world is thinking about going digital. And they would take the time and the resources to mint this coin and then fly it from a mint somewhere to the Fed. That's what they would do. They would probably they would charter the coin a, uh, a private plane <laughs> or a private helicopter and they would fly the fucking thing, you know, across the country or wherever it needs to go in order to get it to where we could say it was okay. It's been deposited now. It's like, listen, everything you guys do now is you just move commas over on a spreadsheet somewhere inside of the New York Fed office. So just do that. Just do that and say you minted the coin. There's no point of actually creating the physical evidence of the coin I mean, (laughs) other than, you know what the problem would be? You know, if you wanted to just create a trillion dollars out of thin air, just do it the same way you've been doing it for the last 18 months, right? The Fed just doubled its balance sheet from $4 trillion to $8 trillion. Yeah, just move over a couple of commas in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere, throw a couple of zeros in there, hit the return key, and it's over and done with. There's no need to go through the pomp and circumstance of minting a coin and then, you know, taking it on a tour of Mount Rushmore and the Grand Canyon and flying it all over the country, you know, where you burn up $10,000 in jet fuel 
to uh, transport a coin that you're telling everybody is worth a trillion dollars, but is really made out of $1,100 worth of platinum. That's so fucking dumb. It's so stupid. It would be like taking a $20 bill and scribbling out the 20 on it and writing, yeah, and $1 million also, and then going to try... <laughs> And then going to try to fucking pay some, pay for something at a bar with it. You know what I mean? Could you imagine walking into a fucking bar in South Philadelphia and a guy's like, hey, it's $24.50 for your shot and a beer and being like, here you go. And him being like, oh, this is a $20 bill. And be like, no, it's not. You see, I just wrote right there and a million dollars also right next to it. So uh, actually, by my calculations, you owe me $19,999,998 in change. <laughs> I mean, that's that's essentially what we're doing. You know, you could actually argue that minting the coin is a terrible idea. You know, if we were to go ahead with this dumbassery, and by the way, don't let Yellen saying it's a gimmick make you think that they might not do it. That would really be naive. They love a nice gimmick. They love a nice Band-Aid. They love a nice boot to kick the can down the road. But the minting of the actual coin would just produce evidence of the world's worst idea. And so, ostensibly, I don't know what you would do with that coin. You you know, they'd have to put it on deposit somewhere. I mean, it wouldn't be this huge, like, big deal if they lost it. Because you could just walk around with it somewhere in the secondary market. You're not going to get a trillion dollars worth of purchasing power with it. You would just bring it somewhere and some like metals dealer would be like, well, this isn't worth a trillion dollars. It's platinum. I'll give you $1,100 for it. You know, minus 10% off spot or whatever, you know, a metals dealer would do. And you'd be like, no, 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 no. It says right here, in the Fed we trust or whatever the fuck they write on it, right? And it says a trillion, right? You know what that metals dealer is going to do? He's going to laugh you out of the store. And if you refuse to leave, he's going to take his shotgun from behind the counter and watch you back your way out of the three sets of double locked doors that he's got. If you're going to the same metals dealer I am. And then he's going to escort you back out onto the street and he's going to laugh you all the way out. You know, when you liquidate, when you melt down $1,100 worth of platinum, you only get $1,100 worth of platinum. doesn't matter whether it says a trillion or two trillion or a trillion, quadrillion, billion, million, gazillion. We're going to make the gazillion dollar bill. Rashida Tlaib has the plan to be elected in 2024. We'll print the, we'll print the trillion dollar, gazillion dollar, quadrillion dollar coin. It's going to lift everybody out of poverty. Could somebody get this woman a fucking book, like an economics 101 book from a community college somewhere, please? And just have her read it from the beginning to the end. Can we just get her started? You know, some kind of Fisher Price, my first economics shit. <laughs> she said earlier this year she was the one. By the way, you know, it, arguably, if you put this thing on display at the Fed or whatever you would do with it, it would probably wind up in a museum somewhere. Here it is, the day we averted the crisis by doing nothing. It'd be like me taking this fucking bottle of hand sanitizer I have right here. Here, ready? Can you hear it? Yeah, big bottle of hand sanitizer. This is the trillion dollar bottle. It's the trillion dollar bottle. I'd like to put this on deposit at my local bank. Walk into the bank. Be like, look, I scribbled the trillion dollars on here. This is the trillion dollar bottle. They're like, yeah, it's two dollars worth of hand sanitizer. We'll give you two dollars for it. All right. Meet me in the middle. Can you meet me in the middle at 500 billion? No. We'll give you two dollars for it. <laughs> you know, 
The only thing minting the actual coin could be good for, if you just just make it up, just say we made the trillion and we've got it. You don't have to mint the coin. The only thing minting the coin would be good for would be like, you know when a dog shits in the house and so you got to like take its head and kind of like move it over to the shit to show the dog like, hey, you can't do this. You can't shit on the shag carpet anymore. You know, it's a pain in the ass to clean up and you should be shitting outside. Right? That's the only thing the coin's good for. Maybe we could take some of these geniuses that have the idea of coming up with this thing and fucking grab them by the head and kind of shove their head right up close to the coin. And be like, see? Like, you're not getting it in theory, right? You're not understanding the math behind it. You're not understanding the, uh, the economic basics behind it. So, like, maybe we can just rub your head in the shit. Like, take a look at it. You see the fucking coin? It's right here, right in front of you. Right in front of your eyes. Dumbest fucking idea ever. Do you see? Look at it! Look at it! <laughs> you know, some shit like that. That might be what it's good for. Other than that, you got $1,100 worth of platinum. And I'm not sure how you're going to bail out the whole fucking country with that. There is one good idea. Uh, stop taking on debt. How does that sound? How does that sound? Bring in more in tax receipts than what we shell out for entitlements and interest on the national debt. Is that possible? Oh, God, I know it's such a, it's such a backwards-thinking, conservative, uh, you know, uh, idea. It's, a, it's, like I'm, it's like I'm dealing in economics from the 1800s, you know? Hey, Isaac Newton discovered gravity in the 1600s, and that shit still works today. Look, if I drop the trillion-dollar coin on the desk, it's still going to fall, right? Just because you're using a traditional model, a conservative model, you know, the old-school economic model, doesn't mean it's wrong. Matter of fact, it's right. Those are all the first-born, foundational, you know, natural laws of economics that everything else, all this bullshit, this whole house of cards we have, is based on. So we should be paying fucking more attention to that, not less. Here is another article from Insider. Congress has 19 days, so this one was from a minute ago. Congress has 19 days to, thanks for the fucking pop-up ads, one, two, three, four, five of them. Good job. There's a website back under here somewhere. Oh my God, I read an article in the Daily Mail the other day. I opened it up. It was like I was being physically assaulted through my computer monitor. There were so many pop-up ads. All right, here we go. Congress has 19 days to raise the debt ceiling before the U.S. runs out of money. <laughs> Joke's on them. We're already out of money. Defaults on its debt and braces for an economic catastrophe. Same fucking shit. Every, every, time, we get to the, every time we get to the debt ceiling, same shit. It was like people don't fucking realize like we're already there. You know, it doesn't matter if you write the headline now. Like, we've been on the verge of an economic catastrophe for, like, decades. You know, it's just when the debt ceiling comes around that we finally choose to actually acknowledge it for a little while. And then we have this big exhale. We have this big collective exhale as a country when we raise the debt ceiling as if that, like, somehow improves our, our position by, you know, tacking another trillion dollars onto our credit card's credit limit. You know, oh yeah, we can keep spending. Democrats have yet to come up with a solution to keep the government funded, and Republicans refuse to help. Maybe that's because all Democrats want to do is spend, and when Republicans say to cut spending, the idea just gets thrown out. And by the way, you know, look, Republicans spent a lot too when Trump was in office. They, they didn't help this problem at all. But I'm just saying, traditionally, Democrats have spent a lot and haven't really uh, meshed well with the idea of not spending in order to keep the government funded. All right. Maybe just take the tab down a little bit. Maybe that'll help. 
But another solution is slowly gaining momentum in Congress, and it comes in the form of a $1 trillion platinum coin. There's a loophole in the law that dictates which types of coins can be legally minted in the U.S., and it allows the Treasury Department to mint a $1 trillion platinum coin, deposit it at the Federal Reserve, and then continue paying its bills as normal. <laughs> as normal! This simple solution would let Congress sidestep what Representative Bill Foster of Illinois told Insider was, quote, a silly rule that we make up for ourselves, quote, a rule that requires Congress to vote on raising the debt ceiling every time the U.S. reaches the borrowing limit. It's an idea that Representative Jerry Nadler of New York has long promoted. Of course he has. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told reporters on Tuesday that Nadler raised the possibility of minting the coin in a meeting with Democrats to bypass the partisan fights on raising the debt limit. In 2013, when Republicans were refusing to raise the limit under President Barack Obama, Nadler told Insider he was disappointed the Obama administration would rule out of, quote, would rule out, quote, one of the very few bargaining chips it has, referring to minting the coin. And Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib echoed Nadler's support for the platinum coin with a very simple tweet on Tuesday, hashtag mint the coin. Minting the coin is not new to Tlaib either. She suggested in 2020 that the Treasury direct the U.S. Mint to issue two $1 trillion platinum coins because what's better than one $1 trillion platinum coin, folks? Two $1 trillion platinum coins that would then be distributed to every American in the form of debit cards with $2,000 preloaded onto them to help people recover from the pandemic without incurring government debt. Who wants to tell her, huh? <laughs> Who wants to tell her? Do you guys want to tell her? Should I tell her? You know, I mean, the idea is just asinine. Now, speaking of asinine, I want to talk about Elizabeth Warren's criticizing of Jerome Powell and the other Fed presidents for the trading that took place amongst Fed officials, which I'm sure you're familiar with this story. I wrote about it on my blog, Fringe Finance. The link to my blog, by the way, is in my podcast description if you have not uh, had a chance to subscribe or sign up. Uh, but anyways, uh, Elizabeth Warren criticized Jerome Powell uh, for overseeing what really amounted to quite egregious corruption at the Fed in the form of Fed presidents trading securities with their left hand while using their right hand to write emails about what should be done monetary policy-wise in the country, right? So on top of the fact that we have monetary policy all fucked up in this country to begin with, now we have Fed presidents that are in there actively trading around Fed announcements, buying real estate investment trusts that own mortgage-backed securities, which are you know bought by the Fed, Jerome Powell owning municipal bonds, which are the types of bonds that the Fed came in and bid up during QE Infinity, which started in March, right? So everybody is sitting around the table owning the assets that would collapse in value if the Fed did the right thing and, you know, took on monetary policy in an objective fashion. This was a huge beef that I had. I wrote about it called in an article called Undeniable 
proof of the Fed's rigged game or some shit like that. I don't know. It's on my Fringe Finance blog. You can check it out. But uh, recently, you know, Elizabeth Warren has come out and has called for the removal of Jerome Powell. Now, she actually makes a good point. And I wrote about this in my blog a couple days ago. She actually makes a good point in the sense that Jerome Powell is really the tone at the top. So if there's massive corruption taking place at the Fed and he's the guy at the top of the heap, he should be held responsible for what his underlings, who are really the Fed presidents, for the dumbassery that comes from them, right? Because at the very least, you know, I guess in lieu of having a full compliance program that says you can't trade securities, which of course they should have to begin with, in lieu of that, he should at least be sending out weekly emails to, you know, Rich Clarita and these guys saying, hey guys, you're not you're not trading any stocks, are you? Because we've got a big announcement coming up. You know, that would really look fucky if you guys were doing that. He should at least be sending out emails like that. And I don't even think he's doing that. I think it's just been a free-for-all. I think everyone's kind of been able to do whatever they want. You've been able to kind of trade in your personal portfolio however you would like. And by the way, oh, my job happens to be helping set monetary policy for the country. So Warren actually makes a good point in coming out and saying that because Powell was overseeing this mess and also, I guess, inadvertently participating in it by owning municipal bonds, that he should step down. And I wrote an article suggesting as such also, too. So after Kaplan and Rosengren resigned, I wrote an article on my blog that basically said Powell and Pelosi should be next. And you can argue, okay, it was just optics. It was just this. You know, the right thing to do here is to resign. If you want to bring in a new era of rules in Congress that are, uh, you know, that rein in trading by Congress people and stop insider trading by Congress people, then somebody needs to lead the way and fall on their sword. And nobody would be better to do that than Nancy Pelosi. First off, she's near worthless as a politician, in my opinion, but that's just me. Even if you're on the left, all right, and you like her, you would have to think, you know, somebody has to acknowledge the fact that what's going on is wrong. And Powell resigning would be the same thing. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to resign because he owns municipal bonds, but he could resign and say, hey, this is me saying we need a new era at the Fed. We have to kind of change the tone here. We have to change the rules. And I'm going to lead by example by stepping down, right? Because now there's all these questions about whether or not he's going to be reelected. Now, on the side, you also have Tlaib and AOC and Ayanna Presley and all of these other intellectual heavyweights that are asking Jerome Powell to step down because he's not doing enough about climate change and inequality. Okay, never mind the fact that the Fed's dual mandate is price stability and jobs. It doesn't say anything about climate change or the weather forecast or whether it's going to be partly cloudy tomorrow or partly sunny tomorrow. It doesn't say anything about equality. It doesn't say anything about discrimination. You know, the Fed's dual mandate doesn't include making sure that we have gender neutral restrooms or making sure that LGBTQ people have their own parking spaces, which is another thing I just saw in Germany now. Some parking deck in Germany has, you know, don't these people realize that they're separating us? 
by the more that, you know, the more identity politics we deal with, the more that people choose to see each other by their identity, their ethnicity, their race, their color, their creed, their sexuality, their religious preferences. Don't people understand that by fleshing those things out and choosing to create subsects of people, subsects of Americans, that all they're doing is adding to the identity politics problem. All they're doing is adding to the discrimination problem. Apparently, they don't see it, but whatever. So these geniuses in Congress want to get rid of Powell because they want a Fed chair that's going to come in and pay more attention to that. And I can't help but think that Elizabeth Warren, if she got Jerome Powell out uh, as Fed chair, would also seek to replace him with somebody more dovish. And this is, as I wrote on my blog, nothing more than rearranging the deck chairs on the goddamn Titanic. Because monetary policy has us on a trajectory for an iceberg. It is an inevitability. It's a mathematical inevitability that at some point things are going to get completely out of control when it comes to monetary policy. So we are in the giant ship and we can see the iceberg. Remember the guy in the movie? Iceberg! Dead ahead! You know, that's us, right? We're just fucking floating along about to meet our fate and capsize in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, I made the analogy the other day. This is like if we were in a car and we were speeding off of a cliff at 100 miles an hour, right? And a mile down the road is the cliff where we're going to fly off the edge. But, you know, a half mile before we get there, we get a flat tire, right? And that's this internal trading problem. So Elizabeth Warren gets out of the car and changes the flat tire so that we now have a brand new tire and we can make our way off the cliff at 100 miles an hour as we had originally planned. We're not changing the trajectory we're on. We're just fixing some stupid technicality along the way. And so the idea of going after the Fed, and she called the Fed, let me see what I wrote here in my article. She called the Fed corrupt, I think. A culture of corruption, she said. Here is what I wrote in my article on my blog, Fringe Finance. I wrote uh, on Monday, so this was uh, earlier uh, in the week. On Monday, my interests aligned with that of Senator Warren, something that hardly ever happens. (laughs) Warren, disgusted by the obvious malfeasance taking place at the Fed, penned a letter to Securities and Exchange Commission Chairman Gary Gensler asking for an investigation of Fed officials. I don't know what you need an investigation for. I mean, the the, the meat and potatoes are out already, right? (laughs) There's nothing to investigate. The the one guy was fucking day trading S&P futures the day before they they made the announcement, right? I mean, come on, investigate. We can leave this one to fucking, uh, you know, Encyclopedia Brown in the children's section. This is an easy one. The SEC should determine the legality of, quote, ethically questionable transactions, quote, by three Fed officials, Warren wrote, according to the Wall Street Journal. Then Warren said Tuesday there was a, quote, culture of corruption at the Fed. She also commented that Jerome Powell had failed as a leader and that our nation needs leaders who are willing to set and enforce strong ethics standards and who act swiftly when a problem arises. The only problem is Elizabeth Warren doesn't realize that by putting in a more dovish Fed chair that, uh, you know, her 
desire for a leader who will enforce strong ethics uh, is not going to happen because there's no strong ethics involved when you constantly try to print your way out of every single recession and every single financial problem. That's not the ethical thing to do. That's how you create moral hazard out of thin air. Anyways, I wrote, In his years as the chair of the Fed, it is not clear why Mr. Powell did not take steps to prevent these activities. Now that I agree with. Warren said, Surely he understands that this kind of behavior by Fed officials corrodes the public's trust in the Fed and that in turn, such corrosion undermines the effectiveness of the Fed. Well, she's right. I wrote, it's a funny situation. While I know Warren is right about there being serious wrongdoing at the Fed, the foundational issue that is going to eventually send our country into ruin isn't Jerome Powell buying municipal bonds. It's the idea that we can print money ad infinitum without any consequences. So Warren is kind of getting it right, right? She's worried about the public's trust in the Fed. She just doesn't realize that her party is advocating for policies that are taking the public's trust in the Fed uh, on a one-way trip to the gun range where they will then, you know, the public confidence will shoot itself in the head at point-blank range. I mean, there, there's going to be no recovering from the public's trust in the Fed when they can't get inflation under control, when they continue to widen the wealth gap. And, you know, as the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and cost of living continues to rise and inflation continues to rise and wages don't catch up with that. Meanwhile, we have an enormous labor shortage in the country because people of Warren's ilk don't seem to understand that handing out free money somehow isn't a wonderful behavioral incentive to get people to work. And folks, if you're in government and you're old enough to be in government and you're, you know, savvy enough to have gotten elected and you don't understand a basic principle like that, I can't help you at this point. The idea that we need a Fed chair to come in and start nitpicking issues and allocating capital is insane. It is not only a one-way ticket to further destroying the currency in much quicker fashion than we already would be doing, but it is a surefire way to keep inflation running extremely hot, right? So inflation is already becoming a problem. While everybody sits back and tells you that it's transitory, what you're witnessing when you go to the supermarket, when you try to buy things, when you go to a restaurant, is shortages of items as a result of inflation and the cost of everything going up. And that cost is being passed down to people. So the cost of raw materials goes up. Everything is rising in price. It's not just lumber. It's not just natural gas and oil. Everything is going up in price. And so the Fed better hope that the inflation is transitory, but I think we all know that it's not going to be. And so that confidence crisis for the Fed is officially on its way, regardless of what happens. And, you know, the fact that Warren and her party don't understand that all they're doing is exacerbating this. I mean, the true solution is to realize that we can't be comfortable at all times. It is against the laws of nature you know, economic laws of nature and laws of human nature for us to be comfortable at all times. And the longer we put off discomfort by fucking with monetary policy and, you know, doing it the wrong way and thinking that nothing will ever come back to bite us on the ass, 
the worse it's going to be when it finally happens. She doesn't realize that. Powell doesn't realize that. The incoming next Fed chair, if there is another one, doesn't realize that. And the president doesn't realize that. So hold on to your nuts because uh, we're going to officially be, you know, if you don't want to take the red pill like we have, uh, a lot of the country is going to get force fed the red pill at some point in the relatively near future. Finally, I want to talk about COVID because uh, it pisses me off. And, uh, you know, I keep getting messages from people that like, oh, do you always have to talk about why you were right on COVID? And the answer is yes, I do. And I'll tell you why. Because if you remember correctly, back in January when I was, January 2020, when I was talking about COVID, I got a lot of shit from a lot of people. People labeled me a fear monger. I had fucking idiots sending me direct messages, threatening me. I had people fucking, you know, calling me, telling me I was an idiot, telling me that, you know, I was drumming up all this nonsense from nowhere and blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, I was right about a lot of things. And so... Uh, now, you know, after being right about the fact that COVID was going to be an issue here in the U.S., now we're moving into second tier things, right? And some of the things that I was saying in mid-2020 were, A, it seems kind of obvious that we should be investigating the lab because it's fucking right there. That, by the way, after being disregarded as the world's biggest conspiracy theory has now become the leading hypothesis of what's happened, right? I also said, hey, you know, we need to think about the idea that this could be man-made. That also was a conspiracy theory that would have gotten banned, gotten you banned from all social media and demonetized that now uh, we found from Dr. Fauci's emails was something that they were also looking at and considering at the time. Thank you fucking very much. You know, this is one that I plan on gloating about for a while. And it's not even gloating, okay? It's just recapturing the common sense and truth that was lost in early 2020. That's what it is. I'm really not a gloater, but I just want to forcefully remind people that this stuff was frowned upon in major fashion in 2020, okay? And if you don't believe me, go back and read my posts from 2020, my tweets, and look at the shit that people were giving me. Every once in a while, I retweet one, you know, from like 2020. Just read the fucking responses to that. Read what people wrote. All right. To me saying I'm buying masks and toilet paper in January before the whole country went through a shortage of masks and toilet paper. You know, well, good luck. You're paranoid. You're this. You're that. Uh The only people, aside from some of my followers that agreed with me, were the people at the gun store. And I think I've said this before. You know, in January 2020, I went in. I said, hey, how you doing, fellas? Uh, Looking to get some nine millimeter ammo. I uh, just looking to make sure I'm stocked up at home, you know, in case this thing gets out of hand. And the guy, well, you don't got to explain yourself to me, man. I totally understand. You know, I don't even think the guy knew I was talking about COVID. And just, well, better say it. I'm sorry, brother. You know, it's like, yeah, man, these guys fucking get me here at the gun store. Anyways, so now that we've dealt with the lab leak theory and the gain of function shit, and we're starting to kind of realize collectively that this thing isn't as bad as the nation has made it out to be, in my opinion, or at least the mainstream media has made it out to be. Now we've gotten a couple other interesting pieces of information, the first of which I wrote about on my blog weeks ago, which is when a Chinese Communist Party whistleblower 
came out and said that China deliberately spread COVID as early as October 2019. So one of the things I was saying in 2020 is if they're saying that they found it in December 2019, you can bet your bottom dollar that they knew about it before then. I was saying that over and over and over again, just like I was saying I wouldn't trust the case numbers coming out of China. Well, here we go. This is uh, a article that I wrote September 22nd on my blog, Fringe Finance. The link to that is in the podcast description, and this is what it reads. While uh, new ground has certainly been touched upon thanks to an ex-Chinese Communist Party insider named Wei Jingsheng, Jingsheng, who is best known as a human rights activist for his involvement in the Chinese democracy movement, has made some stunning allegations regarding the origins of COVID, not the least of which is that China, quote, deliberately spread the virus, quote, at the World Military Games in October 2019, according to a new report from the Daily Mail. It was, quote, no coincidence some of the 9,000 international athletes who gathered for the event reportedly became sick with a mystery illness, the Mail wrote about Jin Sheng's claims. Jingsheng made the claims in a new Sky News documentary called What Really Happened in Wuhan. The Daily Mail reported about Jingsheng's claims. The whistleblower claimed he had heard of the Chinese government carrying out a, quote, unusual exercise, quote, during the games. He said, I knew of the possibility of the Chinese government using some strange weapons, including biological weapons, because I knew they were doing experiments of that sort. Now, I'm not saying that this guy is right or that this is accurate. I'm just saying, wow, this adds to the growing pile of evidence that seems to be suggesting that the mainstream narrative isn't really what uh, what it has been made out to be. May not be what it's made out to be. And then on October 5th on my blog, I wrote about the fact that PCR test orders, okay, which are the polymerase chain reaction tests that we use uh, to detect COVID, PCR test orders surged, quote-unquote surged in China months before the first official case. And I want to read you, <coughs> sorry, COVID, <laughs> I want to read you, that's not funny, man, my aunt died of COVID. Hey, you know what? Deal with it. We all lost family members. Everybody's felt like shit from COVID. I've had it. You've had it. I'm a Lebowski. You're a Lebowski. Now, what can I do for you, sir? All right. This is what I wrote here, a new report from Nikkei this week showed that PCR test purchases from China's Hubei province, quote, surged, quote, months before official reports of a COVID case. About $10.5 million was spent on PCR tests in Hubei during 2019, nearly double the 2018 total with the upswing starting in May 2019, according to the report. Purchases rose sharply from July through October as well, in particular from the Wuhan University of Science and Technology. Wuhan. Anything go on in Wuhan that you guys can think about? I don't know. The institution spent 8.92 million yuan on PCR tests in 2019. Wait for it, folks. About eight times its total for the previous year. Now, I wrote... Not unlike the lab theory, this one just falls back on common sense. Why would China all of a sudden be massively increasing the amount of PCR tests it was buying? What reasonable explanation could there be for this? So two things to think about. 
You know, one of the things I talked about with Sang Lucci on my podcast is knowing now that the lab leak theory is actually one of the leading hypotheses and isn't a conspiracy theory as we were once told maybe 18 months ago. What else are we going to find out 18 months from now that is being written off as a conspiracy theory now, but really may turn out to be the truth? I want to leave you with a tweet that I put out earlier this month that says, if you follow objective truths based on data, you're following the actual scientific method. If you say you're following, quote, the science, you're following a narrative, right? Because the science is what the public widely perceives to be the scientific method, the results of the scientific method. And if conclusions from the real scientific method don't conform to the narrative, it's misinformation. Do you get it? Do you guys get it? So I wrote this because of the whole debate on natural immunity, right? Natural immunity has been found to provide more robust immunity than the vaccines, yet nobody really wants to seem to talk about natural immunity, including Dr. Fauci. You know, somebody asked him a question about it on CNN a week or two ago, and he was, well, I, I, I don't know. I got to get back to you on that. And Rand Paul skewered that guy about natural immunity a couple days ago, and I want to read that. This is from earlier this week, Fox News. Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul sounded out sounded off on Kudlow Tuesday condemning NIAID Director Fauci for ignoring natural immunity studies because it interferes with his plans to get as many people as possible vaccinated. Rand Paul said, hey, this guy Fauci has an opinion on baseball, hockey, Tinder, and Christmas, but he was asked the other day about natural immunity that you acquire after the disease, and he's like, oh, that's a really interesting thought. I never thought about that. I don't have an opinion because I haven't thought about naturally acquired immunity. He has and he is lying to you, Paul said. The reason he won't bring up natural immunity is because it foils his plans to get everybody possible vaccinated. He thinks it might slow down vaccination. And I'm for getting people vaccinated, particularly people at risk. But the thing is, if you ignore naturally acquired immunity, then you're saying we don't have enough people. You have to force it on younger people. There was a statistic that came out that somebody put together today. If you're 85, your chances of dying are 10,000 times greater than if you're 10. Should we treat a 10-year-old the same way we treat an 85-year-old, Paul asked. It's nonsense. And you know what? He's 100% right. And this is the point that I was trying to make, right? The scientific method, the actual science shows that 10-year-olds should be treated different than older people. And people that have gotten naturally acquired immunity should be treated differently than those who are unvaccinated and haven't had COVID. And that's just the facts. That's just common sense, right? But that doesn't conform to, quote, the science. And the science isn't necessarily the result of the data derived from the scientific method. And if you're not following the science, which is, as we all know it now, just the narrative, then you're really, you're really peddling misinformation according to, to the mainstream media. So you may be arriving at conclusions that are backed by science objectively that may be labeled misinformation. And this is being brought to you by the party and by the portion of the nation that will swear to you up and down, left and right, 
that they love science and they're only acting on behalf of what science tells them. That, folks, is about as ridiculous as an idea for minting a coin out of $1,100 worth of platinum and saying it's worth a trillion dollars. Jesus Christ. Who needs a drink, folks? I'm off. If you can find me in South Philly, buy me a Budweiser and I'll buy you one back. All right, fools? I'm out of here. Peace.